is compliment to Bobby. He brought the meat. All right. Well, good evening, everybody. We're going to get started. Uh, I'd like to welcome Nathan and Robert for joining us tonight. We're thrilled that you guys could join us. Um, we also like to welcome those of you who are tuning in on Facebook. Um, as always, I encourage you to grab your pen or pencil to write down the verses or any questions that you might have throughout the study. Uh, I encourage you as uh, the scriptures in Acts 17.11, those Bereans that receive the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily, whether those things are so, that you take that same mentality here tonight with these uh, things that we're going to talk about. Um, I really am a big advocate that you should not put your faith in men, but you should put your faith in the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us to do in the book of Corinthians. So receive the word with all readiness of mind, search the scriptures daily, and also if uh, you see the value in what we're doing here, I encourage you to like, comment, and share this video. Uh, so tonight, um, we're going to start, let's turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, the thing that I want to kind of hit on tonight's message is spiritual gifts. Uh, really, I kind of want to talk about what, they, what are they, what is their purpose, who are they for, and are they for today? Okay, uh, that's really the gist of it. So let's read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to be reading verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul is addressing these spiritual gifts with the church at Corinth. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So we're going to stop here. Whole entire message tonight, spiritual gifts. What does Paul say when he is addressing the church at Corinth? He tells them, now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. Meaning, you need to understand these gifts. You need to know what they are, what their purpose is, and... Uh, if you don't, what's going to happen? You'll be able to be led captive by any wind of doctrine that might come, right? Satan thrives off of ignorance of the word. So if you're ignorant of the spiritual gifts, guess who's going to use that? Satan always uses God's word against himself. You can, all, you can go back and read in the book of Matthew when Jesus was tempted. What was Satan using to tempt Jesus? He's using scripture, but he was twisting it. Right? He was twisting the scriptures. So, um, why am I taking tonight to talk about spiritual gifts? Well, I want to give you guys a little bit of a background on my story. Okay? Uh, some of you have heard of it, some of you have not. Um, I was brought up within the Catholic religion. Uh, that's what I was raised. 16 years, was confirmed in the Catholic Church, was told if I could confirm, never got to go to church again. At age 16, that was a no-brainer, okay? Uh, I saw past all of it. I was a proclaimed atheist at the age of seven, uh, remained there, probably somewhere along the lines, became agnostic, and it was completely out of ignorance. I didn't know any better, but I believed in science. I believed in facts, and uh, what was being presented to me by my Catholic upbringing was a facade. I saw straight through it. If God were real, I believe that there would be a relationship, not this one hour, dress up the best that you can, 
And then it's like, I don't even understand what's going on. I'm going through these motions, these rituals. And uh, I didn't see any value in that. It was not edifying at all. Uh, I saw it was just fake to me. Okay? Um, it was, wasn't until then, age 18, had a heart broken. I became a believer. And I had no scripture to back up anything. All I knew was God was real. There's this cross. Uh, I know about Jesus, but I have no idea who he is, what he's done for me, and how I'm supposed to live. I had nothing to go with. So for the next eight years, eight to nine years, I dove headfirst into what I like to call the religious system. I bounced in and out of every single denomination, and I was basically told the message, I need to use my gifts for the church. Well, my gifts were I could sing and I could play guitar. So naturally, I dedicated my life to singing and playing guitar, quote-unquote, for the Lord, for the church, for eight to nine years. Um, With no guide and with no King James Bible, I was what the Bible in the book of Ephesians says, I was tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, by whereby they wait to deceive. So, by the tail end of it, I was surrounded by a community of believers and who were passionate about seeking Jesus and his presence, okay? And there was no doubt in my mind that our hearts were sincere and had good intentions. There's no doubt in my mind about it. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so our minds were corrupted from that simplicity that was in Christ, okay? We were ignorant of the spiritual gifts, and we went into places that were, A, not even in the Bible. I'm talking about things such as glory clouds, okay? There is this, supposedly this glory cloud that would appear in the worship service, and it was supposed to be the manifest presence of God showing up in the place. And I'm not kidding, people are worshiping this thing. I'm looking up, I just see dust coming from rafters. There were teachings of fire tunnels where you were supposed to walk through these tunnels and people were prophesying and speaking in tongues and all this stuff and it was supposed to somehow encourage us. Can't find that in the Bible. Uh, There was these doctrines of going to the graves of saints and uh, uh, soaking up the anointings of these great generals of faith that were walking in these signs and wonders movement. Okay, These were teachings where... Thank God that I knew Acts 17.11 in my heart. I knew I was supposed to receive the word and study. And uh, once I was studying, I couldn't find them in there. And uh, I, you know, from that point, those first 25 years of my life, I would say in the five to six after I believed, I took the Bible literally, as you should, but I did not know how to rightly divide the word of truth according to 2 Timothy 2.15. Thank God for my wonderful wife who shared that verse with me and gave me a Bible timeline where I tried to prove this thing wrong for three or four weeks straight, was trying to prove this timeline wrong. And at the end of it, I concluded, I am, uh, it's true. I, I can't disprove the word of God. I found myself literally wrestling with the word which is the name of Jesus Christ that he carries in the Bible. So I'm afraid that there is a great movement 
around this, you look at the Pentecostal movement, you look at the Assemblies of God, you look at the numbers and how, do you just look at the country and how it's kind of swept this nation and that people are naturally drawn to this thing, this emotional experience, uh, this thing that like, hey, you don't have, but you got to go after it. You got to go seek anointings and all these things. I think uh, there's this great movement about pursuing gifts rather than sharing the greatest gift of all, which is salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that free gift. And so tonight, that's why I'm going to share some scriptures with you that uh, what I believe about them. Now I'm going to tell you, you don't have to agree with me. Uh, For those of you who are watching or in this room, you don't have to agree with me. That's okay, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what you say, it always brings it back to what the Word of God says. So, with that, um, we're in 1 Corinthians 14, let's, uh, 12, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Notice in verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So, God is not the author of confusion. If I, this topic that we're hitting on tonight with spiritual gifts, if you are confused about this topic, it is not from God. I'm going to tell you that straight up. It is not from God. I was confused for many years about these gifts and the signs and wonders. Uh, and uh, I do not believe that they are for today. And by the end of the message, by showing you the scriptures, I will let you make your own decision, okay? So, there are three places that Paul talks about spiritual gifts. I'm giving you these references. I encourage you to go back and read through them, all right? Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. For the sake of time, I don't, I'm not going to be able to go into Romans 12, but we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 quite a bit. Um, so, there are two places where Paul lists these offices, okay? We're going to go there. I want you to grab 1 Corinthians 12 in one hand. And I want you to grab Ephesians 4 in the other. So in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, I tell you 12, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be reading verses 27 through 31. Verse 27, Paul writes, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? All of these questions Paul saying? The answer is no. Verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and, ye sh- and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So, Paul lists all these gifts, okay? Um, and he's kind of setting the hierarchy as you would say, of these offices that these gifts carry, okay? And in verse 28, you notice, after teachers, there's miracles, gifts of healings, helps, 
governments and diversity tongues. I'm just going to call those, this is just me, I'm labeling these signs and wonders gifts. Okay, that's what these gifts are. They are supernatural acts of God that were no doubt happening during the days of Jesus and during Paul's apostleship. No question that those signs and wonders were happening. You can read about the signs and wonders in the Old Testament. You read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus Christ doing all these signs and wonders. Okay? And you can read about Paul and the apostles. They were carrying those same gifts of supernatural, God-given gifts. Okay? Um, now, hold this. I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Paul is doing the same thing in this passage of Scripture. Okay? He's going to give you these offices and gifts. In verse, or in Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he, that is Christ, ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Talking about when Christ went into hell. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave, the word is gave, okay? And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And then he stops. What changed between Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12? The signs and wonders gifts are not listed in Ephesians 4. So, why are they missing? That's the question. Why are they not listed in Ephesians 4? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Paul writes, For... The Jews require a sign. Let's back up. I want to read verse, verse uh, 21. In context, uh, Paul is addressing the wisdom of the wise of this world versus the wisdom of God, okay? Uh, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? Preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require, what's the next words? A sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But to them who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, we're talking about the wisdom of God here, and how salvation comes about. Turn with me to Romans. We're going to Romans. Uh, 11 verse 8 Romans 11 verse 8 but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is what am I Romans 10 sorry 8 Romans 10 8 
But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and that shalt believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good gifts. So we read in 1 Corinthians 1, the power of God is the preaching, the preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. What are we preaching? The gospel of Christ. What is the gospel of Christ? It's 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go there. First Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What is that message? You believe Christ died on the cross, was buried, died on the cross for your sins, was buried in the ground for three days, and rose again from the third day, that you hearing that message and you believing it, you are saved. Sealed unto the day of redemption. That's what it is. It's a one and done deal. Salvation is a free gift. You think about Christmas time and what we just had. We were giving gifts, right? That's exactly what God is doing today. He's presenting this free gift of salvation. And what are people doing? They're pursuing spiritual gifts rather than just sharing this simple, free gift salvation message. That's the gospel of Christ. And Paul talks again, time again, this is what he was beaten for. He got stripes over it. I mean, this guy took, apart from the man, the Lord Jesus Christ, taking a beating, man, you look at the life of Paul and what he went through, it's insane. It really is. It's eye-opening. You read all the book of Acts and you read all of his epistles and you read about his testimony, it's, it's crazy because uh, that's what God called him to do as the apostle of the Gentiles. So, we're talking about spiritual gifts, all right? Why are the signs and wonders gifts missing in Ephesians? Well, we read, Jews require signs. Greeks seek after wisdom. So, Jews, in order for them to believe, they have to see signs, period. Turn with me to John, book of John, chapter 4, verse 48. John, chapter 4, verse 48. This is um, Jesus, he's speaking to the children of Israel, um, and in verse 
4, verse 48, Then Jesus said unto him, Except ye see what? Signs and wonders ye will not believe. Why? For Jews require signs and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Jews had to see signs. If they did not see signs, they would not believe. What did God use to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt? Signs and wonders. What did Christ do when he came in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for them to identify the Messiah? That was prophesied by all the prophets. Signs and wonders. What did Peter and the twelve do when they were continuing that ministry to the children of Israel? What were they doing to the lost sheep of Israel? They were walking in signs and wonders. Signs and wonders were a mark of apostle and was a mark from God that this is my man. There's really only 12, 13 people that got that gift and calling. We're talking about 13 people here, people. Now, that why there's so many apostles, quote-unquote, apostles and prophets in the world today? Well, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They are taking things out of context. They are claiming things in the scriptures that are not their identity, and they're living them out. I did this for eight or nine years. I'm telling you, I'm one that's guilty of this. Go with me to Mark chapter 16. I want you to see this. Mark chapter 16. Now, in Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 20, I want to let you guys know that a lot of modern Bibles will remove verses 9 through 20, okay? A lot of the modern Bibles, I repeat that, remove Mark 16, 9 through 20. And there's a big reason why, folks. And we're going to address it right now, okay? Because this is a very key passage of Scripture. In Mark 16, or I want to start in verse 14. Now, this is right after uh, Christ had appeared and resurrected, okay? Um, in verse 14, Afterward, he, that is Christ, appeared unto who? The eleven. So, right now, the things that are following, in context, Jesus Christ is speaking to the eleven. He's not speaking to America, people here in America, okay? He's speaking to the eleven. As they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he, that is Jesus Christ, said unto them, that is the eleven, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these, what is the next word? Signs, what's the next word? Shall follow. These signs shall follow. This isn't a maybe follow. This isn't a, it, it might. This is what's going to follow. Them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, this is the eleven that he's speaking to, he received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they, those 11 apostles, because Judas committed suicide at this point, had preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, those 11, confirming the word with what? Signs and wonders. Why? 
For Jews require signs, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So, it is so important, and I'm going to tell you time and time again, context, context, context. You need to understand the context of the book, when you're in the book, where you're at. Because the Bible means exactly what it says, to who it says it, when he says it to him. So, if I were to put this timeline up here, you've got Genesis over here, the very first book, and then you got Revelation over here. Your whole entire Old Testament, I told you last time, it's way more than that. Probably I could go over here. But this is the whole entire Old Testament. Then right in here in your quote-unquote New Testament, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. And it's Christ's earthly ministry. And we have the cross, and they all kind of carry a little bit four different accounts. Remember, one's identifying Christ as king, one as servant, one as man, and the other as God. Um, now, then after these books in your Bible, you've got the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's everything that happened after the cross. So I've told you time and time again, you read the book of Luke and the book of Acts. Those are historical in order, the exact events that happened. Okay. Then you've got the books Roman through Philemon. These are the mystery. Romans through Philemon. Why are they a mystery? Because these books were hid in God before the foundation of the world. These were kept secret. Why? Because had Satan known what Jesus Christ was going to do on that cross, he would have never killed him. Okay? Uh, if we were alive, we would have been rooting Christ to go for the cross. Because if he didn't, we would have no hope right now. <laughs> we would have no forgiveness of sins. The blood shed on the cross for it, we'd still be without hope. <laughs> okay? Uh, and then you've got the books of Hebrew through Revelation. So, context, context, context. All of these books are speaking to the children of Israel, the lost sheep of the house of children of Israel. You've got these books from the Apostle Paul. It's only 13 books that he wrote. How do you know he wrote them? His name is the first word in every single one of those books. Paul, 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 an apostle. The Lord wanted to make sure you knew, for those who are living today in the age of grace, this is your apostle. This is the guy you need to follow. This is where you get your doctrine. And this is where you get your instructions and how you're supposed to live and operate today. Okay? And the books of Hebrew and Revelation, these are for the books going back to the children of Israel. And it's fulfilling all of the rest of the prophecies over here that were not filled in your Old Testament. So, Acts 18.1, let's go there. So, I want to pull a little bit more back on the Corinthians, all right? Because the Corinthians is where Paul addressed these signs and wonder gifts, right? So it's important for us to understand the context. Who are the Church of Corinthians? What, what, what group are they? And, you know, why is Paul writing this letter to them? So let's go to Acts 18. And I want verse 1 and 8. So this is after uh, the, that great address that Paul gives in Acts 17, uh, the Mars Hill speech. I'll just call it that, where um, he gives that speech. And then verse 18, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and he came to Corinth. 
And uh, we'll jump to, uh, well, let's read through this. Let's read a couple of verses here. And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for their occupations. They were tent makers. So Paul was a tent maker by occupation. This is what he did for a living to support his ministry. Verse 4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they, the Jews, opposed themselves, blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue, and to Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So in context here, Paul's at Corinth, it's in Italy, and we've got him going as he was, as his manner was, he's going into the, to the synagogues. Why? Because at this time, Paul wrote to Romans first uh, chapter one verse sixteen for chapter one verse sixteen. Oh my gosh! For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. For the Jew first, and then to the Greek. Well, if we were to take Book of Acts, I'm going to blow it up here. Okay, we're going to have a second timeline. Here's Acts one. Here's Acts twenty-eight. Acts nine is when the Apostle Paul gets saved. Okay, His name was Saul. This guy was the guy that was slaughtering, wreaking havoc on the church, putting them in prison, and having them killed. Okay, it was, If I were to give you a modern-day version, it would almost be like uh, if I were to pick ISIS. It was kind of that bad. He was the guy that was killing anybody that was following after this Jesus guy. Okay, That's what Saul was. He radically gets saved on the road to Damascus. A white light comes down. He goes blind. The Lord tells him, why, why thou persecutest me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Who art thou? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And he says, you know, his life gets changed. Okay? He kind of takes a back seat in the book of Acts. And his ministry doesn't take off until Acts 13. All right? Uh, Acts 13 is pretty much where we transition. Israel was the ones that were kind of taking the front seat. It was Peter and the eleven. And when we get to Acts 9, really Acts 7 is where we kind of see a decline. It's the fall diminish of Israel. They uh, basically were rejecting it. They were rejecting the Holy Ghost. They were blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And Saul was part of that group that was blaspheming the Holy Ghost. He gets saved. 9, 13, there's... Uh, Obed has taught this, and I am full, fully on board. There is the pre-prison epistles and the prison epistles. So from Acts 13 to Acts 20, we're talking about a 30-year period totally of this, of this whole entire book. 13 to 20 is what, this is the pre-prison epistles, okay? This is where Paul was going into the synagogues first, and he was walking in signs and wonders. Why? Jews require signs. He had to walk 
in those anointings of the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call them, the power, those signs and wonder gifts, that's what was marking him as a true apostle. They were able to believe him. If he didn't do it, they, these Jews would not believe him. Okay? Then from Acts 20 to 28, it's when he goes into prison. He goes into prison quite a lot. Okay? Um, when we look at Paul's epistles, you can almost kind of read them right in a row. You got Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. All of those, he was not in prison yet. These are pre-prison epistles, I believe, that he wrote in this time period. When you get to Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, those next three books, you can read. He says, a prisoner of Jesus Christ in my bonds. He's literally in prison. He's not going about to synagogues. He made quite a lot of journeys in this time period. But from Acts 20 to 28, he is literally in prison. Okay? And um, three times in the book of Acts, he says, Lo, henceforth, I'm going to the Gentiles. The Jews were rejecting it. They didn't want this message. He's like, all right, I'm going to the Gentiles. What, do Gentiles require signs? No, they don't. All we need is, the, is Christ crucified. That's it. So um, that's why you need to understand the context of it. So when we get to Corinthians, that, that first Corinthians book, there is big division over them. All right, let's go there real quick. Checking on time. Um, there, the Corinth is such a beautiful picture of, honestly, where I see a lot of the churches around the globe today. There's divisions. That's what's separating all of them. Divisions, contentions. They're fighting over things that are creating heated arguments and saying, you know what, that's it. I'm splitting my church. You go over here, I'm going to go over there. All right? Funny thing about the word denomination. You look at denom, the Latin of it. Just translates straight to demon, okay? There's a reason behind all this. And... Um, I don't think it's of God at all. Uh, so, we're in 1 Corinthians. Check out verses 10 through 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 through 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak all the same thing, and that there be no what? divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there be our contentions among you. So they're having heated arguments. Okay? This church having huge heated arguments. Verse 12. Now I say, now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I'm of Cephas, that's the Apostle Peter, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized in any other, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to what? Preach the gospel, 
Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to, unto them that are saved is the power of God. So what are we seeing? We're seeing divisions and contentions. This church, we're being divided. Some are saying, hey, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter, and some are saying, I follow Christ. So what are they all arguing over they're arguing over doctrine okay okay i don't I, I don't have time this is gonna have to be a i'm gonna have to segment these into parts this series it's way too loaded but paul settles this whole entire argument in context of the book just let's read through you could read through all this whole entire book but let's just jump right now to first corinthians 11 He answers that question of all these divisions. Who are you supposed to follow? In 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me. That's Paul. Even as I also am of Christ. Okay? So what's interesting to me is when you really, if you have a question about the Bible... And time and time again, I'll be reading scriptures and I get to a verse and I'm like, man, this really isn't making sense. Context. Just look around in the Bible. Read back a few verses. Read forward a few verses. You might have to go back a whole entire book. You might have to go uh, like what we just did right here. There was divisions and contentions in, in chapter 1. First, we get to chapter 11. He solves that argument. Follow, be you follows me as I'm also of Christ. Right? So... What's interesting, now, we're, we're talking about context. In Corinthians 11, Paul says, look, follow me. And verse 2, I praise you, brethren, that you remember all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver unto you. And then he gets into things about praising them not. And there's heresies and divisions among them. And it's over the Lord's Supper, okay? And then we get to chapter 12. And now he's talking about spiritual gifts, a point of contention, creating more division amongst the church and that we should not be ignorant of them. And he concludes chapter 12 when he lists all the gifts. I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And you get to chapter 13. It's all about charity. It's all about uh, this is, if, if you can do all these things, you can have the knowledge of God, you can prophesy, you can speak in tongues and all this stuff. But if you have not charity, it's nothing. Oh, and by the way, in verse 8, Charity never faileth, but where there are prophecies, there's, they're going to fail. Where the, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, meaning the tongues gifts are going to stop. And whether there will be knowledge, it's going to vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So Paul knew in First Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, he says, I will come unto visions and revelations of the Lord. He didn't receive Romans 2 Philemon like that. Bam, I know all this stuff. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. No, it was over a time period where he was downloading the revelation of the mystery. And in his beginning part of the ministry, he had to walk in signs and gifts, wonders. He had to walk in it. And that church at Corinth, they were attached hard to that synagogue. These were Gentiles that blessed Israel. These were not heathen Gentiles. They were blessing Israel. They were, they were attached to that synagogue. And so when you read a lot of the book of Corinthians, you'll see him talking. You almost feel like he's talking to Jews. Well, it's because these were Gentiles that were believing. 
They blessed Israel. They were doing works of righteousness. And when they got these signs and gifts wonders, these were things that God was using to provoke the Jew to jealousy. Okay, let's take a look at that. In 1 Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 14. So I told you, 12 lists all the gifts. 13 is all about charity. 14, he picks back up and it explains the purpose of these gifts. Um, and he talks about tongues, how it, well, let's just read it. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So Paul's telling him, look, desire desire to prophesy. Why? To build up the church. The whole entire point of the spiritual gifts here in context during the time of Paul was to build up the body of church. Why? Because he was traveling all over the place. He had to speak in different languages so that he could give the gospel of Christ to him. Ultimately, that's what the gifts were serving. They were serving purely for the point of spreading the gospel of Christ. That's why when you get to 1 Corinthians 15, what's the first word? 1 Corinthians 15. It says, moreover. Well, moreover, you got to read everything that he was talking about before it. And what was he talking about before it? He's talking about spiritual gifts, tongues and prophecy. What are they doing? They're edifying the body of church. That's the point of those gifts. But by the way, those signs gifts, the tongues, check out in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 20 through 22. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law. What's the law? That's the Old Testament. Who's that written to? The children of Israel. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Who is this people? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Or it's just children of Israel. Um, Speak to this people. And yet for all they will not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are a sign, not to them, who's them? Israel, that believe, but to them, Israel, these are the, Israel again, that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So, the whole entire tongues thing, that sign, gift, that was for the Jew that did not believe. It was prophesied in the law that God would use men to speak of other tongues unto this people. That's why when you go to Acts 2 and you read that great Pentecostal address, that wasn't just something that was just kind of, oh, this just kind of came out and just happened. No, this was prophesied. God said this thing was going to happen. It happened. That's what prophecy is. Okay? And there are a lot of people today that are proclaiming themselves to be prophets and apostles 
that walk in these quote-unquote signs and wonders, it's nothing like what the 11 and what Paul had, the 12, okay? And it's very dangerous. You can be deceived by this stuff if you're not in your Bible. I was not in my Bible as much as I should, and guess what? I was deceived by it. Thank God for the word of truth, okay? Um, So, the time frame, context. 1 Corinthians was written over here. Ephesians and uh, Philippians, I believe, were written over here. So in this time frame, Paul had to walk in signs and wonders. Why? Because he was walking, he was, he was doing his ministry. He was going into unknown places. He was getting shipwrecked, abandoned. And he needed that gift, that supernatural ability. To, tongues is just a language, people. All it is is just speaking a different language. That's what they were doing. And when Corinthians lists those gifts, it's because we're over here. And then when we get to Ephesians, guess what? He's not traveling anywhere. He's in prison. Men start getting sick. You can read about Ephroditus, who was sick, nigh unto death. Paul, should, Paul over here, he could have just healed him. And he's telling Timothy over here in prison, hey, drink a little wine for your, wine for your infirmities. Well, why would they need to drink wine for their infirmities? Couldn't he just heal them? No, something was happening there. Right? Um, so it's important that, and like I said, tonight was just kind of a framework thing, and I'm getting uh, kind of all over the place, uh, and we'll kind of dive a little, d- a little bit deeper, but I want to kind of wrap up here in these last 10 minutes. Um, so this is just a kind of a fact, all right? There's 66 books in your Bible. 80% of those books are written and addressed to the children of Israel, and you got the other 20% that's by Paul to the body of Christ, okay? Paul's books, you need to, you need to understand, and go, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. I can get there. Second Peter chapter three. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but I'm going to kind of give you just a background. Christ's kingdom didn't come. Okay, that uh, that that kingdom of heaven coming down from heaven uh, didn't happen. And there are a lot of scoffers coming in and scoffing at the twelve. Hey, you said this kingdom is coming. Why isn't it coming? Okay, and. And Paul's pretty much look, saying, look, uh, Peter, Peter's saying, look, uh, Christ is doing something we've acknowledged with Paul. And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving you, this is just my, my take on it. Uh, Christ is giving something to, the, to our brother Paul. It's the grace of God. We're, we're acknowledging that this thing that was given to him, and Christ is going to come back, and he's going to fulfill all these promises, but you need to understand Paul's epistles. Okay, that's, that's my paraphrase. Let's read what, what, what Peter says. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things. 
in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do all the other scriptures unto their own destruction. I'm bringing this up to tell you that Paul's letters are very meaty, okay? There's a lot of material in it. There's only 13 books, but if you don't understand the context of it, it's very easy to kind of get lost and get confused. And quite honestly, I think that's why a lot of people today, you're seeing a lot of the divisions and contentions over it. You see it even within the grace movement, people getting in contentions over Paul and his doctrines and teachings. But of those 13 books, the two I want to really highlight are Ephesians and Colossians. The reasons why I want to highlight those books is because those two books, when Paul writes to them, he never met them. He never got to meet them in the flesh, okay? And how do I know this? I want you to turn to Ephesians 1, 15, and Colossians 1, 4, and the other. So Ephesians 1, 15, when this is his letter to the Ephesians, and uh, Ephesians 1, 15, Wherefore I, Paul, also after I, Paul, heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making memory of you in my prayers. So Paul only heard about this group's faith in Ephesians, okay? I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 4. Colossians, it's just the next book over on the right. A few pages. Uh, sorry, second book on the right. You had Philippians and then Colossians. Um, Colossians 1, verse 4. Since we, that's Paul and Timothy. Uh, you read verse 1, you know it's Timothy. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before the world, word of truth of the gospel. So both of these books, it's the only time Paul literally writes, he heard of this faith. Why? Because he's in prison. He couldn't go to them, okay? Uh, the reason why I'm highlighting these two books is because I believe, this is my belief, okay? Those two books, in context, are written as if it was directly straight to you as far as mail goes, okay? So you really want to know, like, stuff written directly to you? Learn the book of Ephesians and Colossians. Read those things through and through. It's loaded. I'm not saying that you ignore all of Paul's epistles. No. I'm saying if you really want to dig into who you are in Christ and what you have and learn about the mystery of Christ, Ephesians and Colossians is loaded there. Okay? Um, so, tonight what did we talk about? We talked about spiritual gifts. What are they? They are gifts given by God to the body of Christ. Not to be confused with those gifts that were given to the eleven to walk to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay? What was their purpose? Let's turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 12 through 6. This was the whole entire reason why God gave gifts to men. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 12 through 16. For the perfecting of the saints... For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, 
unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So the whole entire purpose of these gifts, it's for building up the body of Christ. That was the purpose of the gift. You read that passage over and over again. Um, It is so that you can be built up in Christ, not a babe in Christ, growing up is to be a man in Christ, okay? Um, and more importantly, I told you before, it's that moreover in 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, those gifts were to back the spreading of the gospel of Christ in that time frame with Paul. Uh, who were they for? Who were these spiritual gifts for? They were, and we address this in 1 Corinthians 14, these were for Jews to become a part of the body of Christ in that weird transition phase that they needed because Jews require signs. That's why Paul walked in those signs and wonders here in 13 through 20. Are they for today? That's my last question, and we're going to kind of summarize it. Um, You know... To kind of, before I close into this, when I first believed, and I, I was told, pick up your Bible, read the book of John, read all the Gospels. That's where I started. So I read all the, I read the New Testament, read it straight through, okay? I read it probably nine times straight through. And when I got to the book of Acts, when I started reading about men, I was like, oh my gosh, Christ is telling me to be a fisher of men. Well, I want all the lures. I want all the tools and gifts that I can have. So when I came to Corinthians, I read, oh my gosh, here's all these spiritual gifts. I'm supposed to desire all these things, you know? Not realizing, A, what the purpose of, who they were for, everything that we talked about tonight. And um, I was in a, a place where I was seeking so hard because I was being surrounded by people telling me, I, I don't have it all. You need to, I'm quoting now, you need to storm heaven and get this authority or get this anointing because you don't have it. You're lacking something. That was the underlying message to me, okay? And so I kept trying. I kept trying to reach and do all these things. And I kept trying to live a life according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was extremely exhausting because I couldn't keep it. I couldn't live up to the standard. And I was getting to the point, well, what's the point? Nobody can live like this. And it was messing with my faith. But I thank God for the word. Ephesians 1, 3. And it clicked for me, all right? Ephesians 1, 3. Oh, we'll start in verse 2. Grace be, unto you, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Does it say some gifts? 
No, it says I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So why on earth would I need to storm heaven to get an anointing or a gift that I don't have when the word of God is telling me right here, I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's turn to Colossians 1.4. Two books to the right. No, that's not right. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 10. Well, uh, let's start at 9. For in him, that is Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are, what's the next word? Complete in him. That's Christ, which is the head of all principality and power. I am complete in Christ. Complete means complete, meaning I'm not... Lacking anything. I don't need any more. But what did Paul tell us two verses before that? Beware. Beware lest any man spoil, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Paul's saying, beware. There are going to be these guys that are going to come. They're going to look spiritual. They're going to look like they have it all together. They're going to, they're going to be... Uh, it sounds like they have it all together and they're presenting these words. That's the word I'm looking for. Eloquent. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and, you know, I've seen this firsthand within in my experience in, in the movements that I was because what was happening was the book was right here and this guy the entire time is saying, look at me, I fasted for four hours. And you know what I realized? And everybody's just like, ooh, ah. And it was not any scripture verses that you could find in the Bible, okay? You got to be aware of this, folks. Just because someone carries the banner of Jesus Christ over their church and says, uh, you know, that they believe whatever, well, there's a verse in there that says even the, believe, the devils believe and shudder, okay, in the book of James. You've got to receive everything that you hear and you've got to check it through the scriptures. Everything that I say, you need to check it out. If I, what I'm saying is not in the Bible, do not take that to the bank. Take whatever this book says to the bank, okay? Um, so, this is my closing uh, statement. Beware, okay? The enemy wants you to be ignorant of these spiritual gifts. Why? Because this is a great point of contention and division amongst the body of Christ. And if you're not careful, you're going to be deceived by this thing and you're going to become ineffective what I say, effective in the ministry of reconciliation, which is a great victory for Satan himself. So uh, I think we're going to kind of pick this up in the weeks to come. Uh, I think there's a lot to unpack here. I think there's a lot of information. So we're going to pause uh, right here and uh, we'll continue in the weeks to follow. Thank you so much.